Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Block Rising episode brought to you by Florida Rising, where we build independent political power that centers historically marginalized communities so everyday Floridians shape the future. My name is Marjorie Bostrick Phoenix, and I am a member of Florida Rising and your host for today's episode. I'd like to introduce you to our guest today, Ms. Kelly Ann Thomas. Welcome to Every Block Rising, Kelly Ann. Thank you, Marjorie, for having me. Good evening. Yeah, so excited to have you. So I have been looking forward to this conversation. I think our listeners are going to be in for a real history lesson here because you're going to um, enlighten us and take us to school a little bit on something that I had never heard about. So I'm excited to start that conversation. But before we do, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what block are you from? And what is it that concerns you about your block the most right now? Sure. Well, I reside and I grew up most of my childhood in South Miami-Dade County. I particularly live right now in South Miami Heights, Florida. And my block is very diverse, heavily Black and Hispanic, different diasporas of people. And my block is cool, man. Like, (laughs) We have a diverse culture in the sense that we have, you know, older Latinx folks in my apartment building. We have, you know, young black youth. We have a bodega downstairs where my daughter go and purchase Hispanic pastries. You'll hear rap music on the weekends. You'll hear salsa music on the weekends. Like it's just a beautiful, diverse place to be. I really, really enjoy my block. Some things I would like to see change are just more resources, more programs for the youth. Some of the issues that we deal with are rapidly approaching gentrification because the rent in my particular apartment complex has gone up quite a bit, as well as gun violence between young Black males. We're losing a lot of young Black males in my area. So those are the issues on my block, but I love it. I live here and I want to see it grow and change. Oh, that's awesome. I I know that area. So that sounds great. So now you grew up there. That's home for you. But you also work with Florida Rising as well, right? Yes. So I'm currently the lead organizer of Miami-Dade County with Florida Rising since we merged in 2021. My community organizing career started in 2018 when we were formally a legacy New Florida majority. And I started off as the South Dade organizer back in 2018. So you have the entire county of Miami-Dade to organize? I have the entire county of Miami-Dade to supervise organizing. (laughs) (laughs) Miami-Dade is quite large and we do our best as a team to be able to cover the areas that we can cover. But again, Miami is a whole... A whole country of its own, to be honest with you. I tell you, I tell people all the time, it's like, it's its own little country within Mm -hmm. itself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So besides your work with Florida Rising, tell us about this other work that you're, you're doing. Well, so I stepped away from Florida Rising in 2020 to run for political office. So during the summer of 2020, I ran for and I was elected to a community council of 14 in unincorporated South Miami-Dade County. And community councils serve as boards that make decisions over land use and zoning issues when it comes to homeowners, when it comes to people who own properties. So I've been serving on community council for about two years now. I was elected to be the vice chair of the board earlier this year. 
So what that simply means is in the absence of the chairman, I run the meetings, but it's been a really awesome experience to serve as an elected official. We've seen applications as simple as, oh, a homeowner might want to build a a shed or maybe a tiki hut on that property from a larger scale developer like Lennar wanting to change agricultural land into, you know, single family housing or mixed use housing. So it's been a very interesting experience in my journey being a base, being an activist to a community organizer to being elected official. It's a role that I hold very, very, very highly. Yeah, that's amazing. So that is in your your blood, it seems. So you've been doing some community activism work. You've been a political servant. How did you get into that? What brought you into that work? Well, back in 2014, when Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, that was the agitation moment for me. I remember working at a data entry job, just being one of the only Black people in my department and just sitting at my desk, very, very furious, Marjorie, at the comments and the, the way he, he that case and how he was particularly treated, you know, I don't know if you remember, but like his body was lying in the street for hours. And it was just sickening, like all of the comments I saw and all the racist things that people say when when young black youth or young black people or black people in general, unfortunately, are killed by the police. Mm-hmm. So I had to do something. I just felt a rage that, that I really needed to do something. So I remember scrolling on social media and I saw that our Dream Defenders at the time was doing a protest that evening. So I attended, and I remember attending straight from work in my work uniform, my work clothes, and we marched around. I think it was we marched around the courthouse downtown, and you know we blocked the street off. And I had never been to something like that before, but I just felt at home because I was with young black youth like myself who were just very, very enraged and and, and had to do something. And I had been involved in several protests and several movements and attended a lot of community meetings from 2014 on until 2018 when I got the job of Florida Rising. So mm-hmm. I've been doing this work, you know, a while. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's wow. always some sort of pivotal moment. I always ask people who do this work, you know, what was it that sort of catapulted them into doing this type of work? And I remember for me, it was Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. and the way some of the people around me were responding to it. And it was just, it hurt me, you know, really hurt me. And I wanted to do something about it, you know? So it was ever since then that I've been sort of in- involved as well in trying to make not just our communities, but this country a safer place right. you know, for all of us to be able to exist. So right. that's wonderful. So the big question though, what I really want to talk about, because when we had our initial conversation, I was, I was a little embarrassed that I didn't know much about Black August. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about what Black August is? Sure. So Black August, not to be confused with Black Business Month, because I realized in my research that Black Business Month is an authentic month to celebrate Black businesses. It's a month dedicated to showing solidarity with political prisoners and uplifting unfair and inhumane prison conditions, particularly in the U.S. So this holiday or this commemoration in August began in the 1970s when George Jackson, he was a Black Panther. And although he was not incarcerated for his political beliefs, Marjorie, he became active in the Black Panther Party. His, him and a couple of other inmates at the time, I don't like to call it a riot, but more so uprising. So they planned an uprising at San Quentin Prison in California in the 1970s. They took some guards hostage just to protest the unfair prison conditions that they were facing. And it got really ugly. Some guards got killed and he got killed 
George Jackson in particular, in this uprising. So to commemorate his life, um, Black August was created because, again, this was a man who was not initially incarcerated for his political beliefs, but became very politically activated with the Black Panthers. And going forward, every August, political prisoners or people who are imprisoned will dedicate time to political study. Folks who are incarcerated have certain rights, right? Like they may be able to listen to a radio or watch television or work out. They'll fast, which means they may abstain from food from sunup to sundown, for example. They may fast from those activities or those privileges, quote unquote, that they have to dedicate themselves to political study. So a lot of times folks read books like, for example, George Jackson wrote Blood in My Eye or the autobiography of Asada Shakur. Like there's a certain amount of political books and political sources of study and information people do. People may even dedicate time to strengthen themselves physically so they may work out. One of the taglines I saw when doing my research about Black August, Marjorie was called study, fright, train. So that's kind of the sentiment of Black August, you know, doing political study, doing training, whether that be physical or just of the mind and fighting, which means, you know, showing resistance, just bringing awareness to like the unfair conditions in prisons. So that's generally the essence of Black August. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, we don't realize that there's a quite a bit of Black history that actually happened in the month of August as it pertains to rebellions or uprisings and, and movements. But as I was doing some research myself, they were talking about how Nat Turner's rebellion happened in August. The Haitian Revolution happened in, in August. The, the Watts uprising, the mm-hmm. Underground Railroads mm-hmm. began in August. Like so many things, you know. But again, as I continued to do more research and I was like, why don't people realize about or know about Black August? I feel like a little bit it's it's by design because we can already see how they're trying to erase our history in the schools, right? So when you think about Black August and then you think about Black History Month, what would be the difference? Is there much of a difference? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Black History Month, well, Black History Month was started, I remember, I believe it was started by Carter G. Woodson, and it initially was a week, and it was chosen to be in February because of the Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln, I believe. <laughs> Please check yes, me on yes, that, that's I know correct. it's a progress. Mm-hmm. I know this is a podcast, I want to be accurate in my history. <laughs> and Black History Month is just an American celebration of history of various things. So we celebrate various things in February, like no matter when it happened, yeah. we dedicated February as just Black History Month in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black August is important because of the dates that you described that happened in August and because it's particularly about showing solidarity with incarcerated people mm-hmm. and bringing awareness around unfair prison conditions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that is the difference. And I love how you touched upon how a lot of people don't know about Black August because I think Black Strong and powerful Black history, such as Black August, is not something that I would think like the dominating powers that be would want Black folks to know, because if Black folks really knew in mass that outside of slavery, there are other moments in recent times where we have shown resistance that would be inspiring and that would teach us and show us to have more hope and rebel and, yes. and give us the spirit of rebellion to fight back. Because again, this was started in the 1970s. I mean, there are Black Panthers who are still alive today. There are mm-hmm. Black Panthers who are still incarcerated today. Mm. So this is not 
ancient history. This is things that have happened in our parents' and grandparents' lifetimes. So whenever Mm -hmm. it's powerful, impactful Black history that we can learn from and carry, why wouldn't the power structure be try to hide that from us? Exactly, exactly. I think the Haitian Revolution is something that should be taught. I know it is an American history, but along with American history, we should be getting a lot more what they call world history or global history as well. And, And understanding that and the Nat Turner re- rebellion, that's a huge part of history. So you're right. right. You know, they can pick and choose what they want. But I think that it's important for us as a community, not just black and brown people, but all people, right, that we are able to find this type of information. Right. Because it goes beyond just Black History Month and what they've right. structured to, to teach you or, or the information that they'll let you have access to. And, you know, it's only been just a few years ago that most people started to really recognize Juneteenth. Most people don't know about Black August. And so besides that, I mean, is this a new thing that, you know, people are starting to talk a little bit more about? What are you seeing happening now with Black August as far as people talking about it and celebrating? I would say, honestly, in doing my research about it, I first heard about it last year. My former supervisor, Asia Shaw, he's now the co-director of an organization called Black Men Build, and I kind of overheard that they were, as Black men, fasting and studying and doing some political education around Black August. But in mass, honestly, using Juneteenth is an excellent example because that's been history that's been brought to the forefront just of this year being it federally recognized as a holiday. I don't see a lot of people talking about it. Me being in movement slash social justice spaces, I know that there are colleagues of mine, comrades of mine that know about it. But that's because, you know, we're in this work and we take the, we do our due diligence to try to do our research to learn about it. But honestly, I think if you were to ask the average Black person if they knew Black August was, they would think it's Black Business Month or they would think it was something else. Similarly to how, like you said, a couple of years ago, because I didn't find about June, I did not know Juneteenth existed, I think until 2019. That's when I found out about it. And we, and I remember me and my coworker at the time, who also was at Florida Rising NY Osahar, we did a small, like, event about it. And then in 2020, when George Floyd and the the pandemic happened, that's when it became more and more popular and widely known. And then now it's a federal Mm -hmm. holiday. So my goal in talking about it and coming on this podcast and creating awareness around it with colleagues is to just plant the seed. You know, I don't think Mm -hmm. anybody Black or I don't think anybody who, anybody Black or otherwise really who doesn't know this history, like you said before, it's probably by design, should feel ashamed because our history and our entire being as Black people have been taken from us. And we have a powerful history that if we did know, <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, and, I, and I'll leave it at that, not to, you know, yes, yes. seed. So, you know, I would hope that in the coming years, Black August would be more widely celebrated. Like you know, and maybe taught in schools. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, most definitely. I so, yeah, think, because I knew about Juneteenth, Right. But I didn't understand it fully what it was all about. So I think people hear about these months or dates, but they don't know all the education, all the information about it. So for me, I'm going to be before the month is out, I'm going to share this information. As soon as this podcast drops, I'm going to be sharing it out and I'm going to be talking to people and trying to get the most out of it to, to raise awareness around it so that next year coming around, you know, we're, we're ready for it. So I really am grateful and appreciate the work that you're doing and bring 
bringing awareness about this because right more than ever right now, I think this part of our history and this knowing is so deeply important. So important. Absolutely. I, I feel very privileged to talk about such rebellious Black history in that way because it gives me hope knowing that history, Marjorie, because even with the lack of resources that people had back then, like they were so boldly resistant. And I just am really a student and I hate to say the word fan for lack of a better word, but I'm so empowered and inspired, like what the Black Panthers accomplished yes. before, you know, mm-hmm. Cointel Pro took them out. Again, I think just educating and talking about it and being explicit, that gives hope to me as an organizer, knowing that there were people who actually resisted these things and picked up guns and put their lives on the line for what was right and politically how they felt and where they stood. And that's the same spirit and the same attitude that I feel like a lot of us as Black people have. Mm -hmm. But because of the power structures that be, sometimes we feel helpless or we feel like afraid or Mm -hmm. we feel like no one really resisted when they did (laughs) from when we were enslaved, you know, like you said, like Nat Turner, like a lot of people don't know about Nat Turner, but they might know about Harriet Tubman or they Mm -hmm. may know Mm -hmm. about Frederick Douglass. A lot of people know about Martin Luther King, but they might not know as much about Malcolm X or they might just know, you know, the white devil's side of Malcolm X, but not the more humanitarian, Mm -hmm. you know, towards the end of his life, Malcolm X. So they, when I say they, I mean, I think society and the power structure be always likes to diminish the rebellious, by any means necessary to quote Malcolm, militant stance that us as Black people take to keep us submissive and to keep us in place. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, yes, to keep us in. And that's why there's there's been so much pushback against um, the whole, what they would call the woke, with the Stop Woke Act. They don't want Mm -hmm. you to be awake, you know, with Mm -hmm. social movements and protests. There's always going to be a pushback at that because they know They know what the history and it is not saying that that is what it's going to be, but they understand that in resistance, this is this is a part of resistance. This is a part of movement. And this is actually a part of progression. Right. And if we want to progress, if we want to move forward, there's different parts of that movement and resistance that's going to happen. And unfortunately, with violence it begets more violence, right? And then people have to protect themselves. So so that's just the nature of, that's human nature in a way. So um, yeah, very, very fascinating. So tell us, Kellyanne, how we can celebrate Black August. What are some of the ways that we can celebrate that month? Ways you can celebrate Black August is you can look up or literally support people who are incarcerated, maybe not saying it has to be a political prisoner, that would be great, but maybe even someone in your family, because it has evolved to be deeper than just supporting people who are incarcerated for political reasons. Black Caucus is about showing solidarity with folks who are imprisoned under unjust conditions. So maybe you could put money on someone's books. You could read an autobiography or a book about fearless Black freedom fighters like George Jackson, like Asada Jackson, like Asada, excuse me, Shakur. Also, just doing research about current political prisoners. I don't know if you're familiar with the move bombing in Philadelphia, I believe in the 70s. There was a group of folks who literally got bombed by the U.S. government 
in Philadelphia. And some of them are still incarcerated and I can send links or information, but wow. there are still people. Yeah. There are still people. There are still former black Panthers who are incarcerated. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not, maybe not the ones we, the names we know of because most of yeah. those folks are dead. Like right. Huey Newton, you know, Fred Hampton have been assassinated, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but there are other lesser known Panthers who are still currently incarcerated. So, you know, Googling their names, trying to support them and also dedicating yourself to fasting and political study. I mean, mm-hmm. it's okay to give up, you know, if it's not food, maybe social media for a little bit, or just read a book, you know, mm-hmm. take some time to educate yourself because I think political education is so important being in yeah. movement spaces. When yeah. you understand the history that we come from, you can learn from those lessons. And like you said, progress. Mm-hmm. So just taking time to step back from the throes of everyday life and maybe that's right Say for a weekend i'm gonna read a book i'm not gonna be on social media i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna fast i'm gonna study fight train and you know I love you know that. political rigor of improving myself and informing yeah. myself i also want to put in a plug that florida rising through our florida for all coalition work we are hosting a screening of the documentary attica so attica was a prison uprising that happened in attica new york that's a correctional facility and this is an actual documentary that shows clips from inside of Attica Correctional Facility when this uprising was happening, similar to the circumstances that brought about the j- death of George Jackson. So we'll be streaming that documentary on Sunday, August 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll be doing a hybrid version where we'll be having folks join the Broward office, which is in Fort Lauderdale. I don't have the address with me right now. My apologies, but I can share out the flyer to you. Uh, So we'll be streaming that on August 28th, virtually at home, or if you'd like to come to the Broward office, if you're in the South Florida area, coming with us, excuse me, sitting with us to watch this documentary. Mm -hmm. I also want to say one last thing about that. So, and speaking to why Black August is so important, particularly August 28th is a very notable day in Black world history. So on August 28th, the Slavery Abolishment Act was signed in the UK. So that abolished Mm -hmm. slavery in the United Kingdom and the territories that the United Kingdom resided over. So that was some places in, you know, Canada, like slavery was ended in 1833 on August 28th in the UK. Also on August 28th, the I Have a Dream speech was delivered by Martin Luther King. Also on August 28th, that was 1963 or four, I think, (laughs) forgive me. And also on August 28th, 2008, Barack Obama accepted the the Democratic presidential nomination for president. And lastly, on there's so many things that have happened, ironically, on August 28th. But one of my favorite things is even in Florida, on August 28th, 2018, Andrew Gillum was nominated as the first Black nominee for governor. So there is just so many things, even particularly on August 28th, for us as Black people to be proud of. I mean... Just amazing history as technology, you know, advances, we can learn about and be and celebrate because, you know, as we like to say, Black History is 365 and it truly is. So that's what we are doing within the FFA Coalition, Mm -hmm. streaming a hybrid and in person the Broward Office uh, documentary about Attica. That is awesome. That Yeah, I won't be available for that. I wish I could have at least be on for the streaming of Mm. that. But for those of you listening, I hope you were taking note because I'm even thinking in my mind on social media, like just create a post and highlighting all of those important things that happen on August 28th and recognition of Black August, you know, hashtag Black August. 
you know, and start and start spreading the word out. So there's a lot that we can do, even with what we have left in the month to start celebrating and sharing with others. So this has been awesome. So listen, I've got one more question I've got to ask you in closing. We ask all of our guests this question, Kellyanne. So it is, if you could have a banner or a sign or a billboard, by your city's major highway and everyone could see it every day while they go to work, what would it say? Fight the power. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) I love it. You interpret that as you wish, but I, I, yeah, fight the power, man. Fight the power. Awesome. Listen, guys, fight the power. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kelly. And we really appreciate it and learned a lot. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of Every Block Rising. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.